0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoopans,
1: where you're going to find a new product, which is exciting to me, coming from the Northeast. Mm -hmm. They've got some private label, 100% pure organic maple syrup in their stores now. I've seen it. I saw it the other day didn't get any but now i will i love pancakes i can convince myself in this kind of advertising yes
0: no i love pancakes so much when i when i saw this i actually got really really excited because i love pancakes and i love natural maple syrup right oh this is gonna be good (laughs) yeah other thing uh, i'm really excited about and continuing to love is the strawberry season in full swing sweet hood strawberry varieties are now in store and they get theirs delivered fresh daily from Columbia Farms, which is on Sovie Island. I was
1: out there yesterday. Yeah. And we picked we picked Father's Day. A lot of strawberries. Uh-huh. Incredible. A lot of, a lot of strawberries. Yeah. And to have them be able to just go down there and get them at Zupan's, it's, they are delicious. Yeah. Get them now. You
0: can also get fresh figs, local cherries. They arrived just last weekend. So if you're into, like, fresh produce, this is the place to go, Zupan's.
1: It's the time. And also, as we've said before, sign up for their news. Z- feed. It's news with a Z. Right, because they have uh, some excellent offers, um, often Mm two-for-ones, free stuff, and just good to get emails from them. And you know, the other thing I was in Zupan's the other day, they have some beautiful plates and things. So if you're throwing parties now, it's not just food at Zupan's. There are a lot of things. And I put together a beautiful Mother's Day gift for somebody with lots of candles. Zupan's, the oldest locally owned grocery store Mm-hmm. In Portland since nineteen seventy five.
0: Time once again for Portland's food scene podcast. It's right at the fork with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures and Court
1: Johnson from. You know we have to figure out the best way every time. Yeah, I well, like, maybe we should write this out.
0: From, <laughs> maybe we should prepare from an uh, from a dial from a station somewhere on the
1: dial. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, you can find you on Kink Kink, kink and KXL KXL. Both. Yep.
0: Uh, right. There, I've got the 101 covered. Whether it's 101.1 or 101.9.
1: Oh, that's easy to yeah, know. Yeah, from, from Radio 101. And I'll land on one. Now, now that we're digital, we have to get exactly on it. Yeah, we to be you just. They've been digital just for there. a while. Right, but I remember when, when I worked for round, round WPLR up 99.1, you yeah, could just be in the right, area. Right, you
0: just round it up or down.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about this offhand, Portland
0: Food Adventures International. Just really quickly.
1: Yeah, uh, Just to expose it, because I think people would want to know that we can they can do this, mm-hmm. we're going with Jose Chesa of Atala and Chesa to Spain on September 20th to Barcelona. Nothing like experiencing a city with a local. Yep. And this will be our third trip. It's really fantastic. You can find more information on PortlandFoodAdventures.com. If you go to the blog tab, you'll also see our trip with uh, We Love Lardo. We Love Rick oh, yeah. at Lardo and Grassa. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Tuscany with my dear friend and Ensign on um, October 1st um, and we have a really cool group of people on that trip, both trips but uh, just take a look just want people to know. As long as I have this mic But mine as well. Yeah, exactly Might as, well. Might as well.
0: Our guest today uh, was uh, as kind of a, we could kind of pair this up with an interview that uh, took place, when, when did we talk with Tyler? We
1: will, it was two years, I think it was two years ago. It was ago, two years ago. At least.
0: When we first talk, talked, uh, we, talked, talked spoke with Tyler Malick, and actually it was just you.
1: Yeah. I've oh right. It was it was the old was the format. Old format. And, and we have the old theme music, yeah. which you may be able to update. Sometimes when we run something new, right. we update it. Mm-hmm. But um yeah Tyler Malik, they're both very dear. What I didn't get to what we didn't get to ask Kim was what about it in their family makes made them, made them so so there's they're very warm to be around, sure. both of them. Yeah um well, and are cousins
0: grandma malik their cousins yeah, it's grandma malik that she that uh, kim could talks about could have been
1: on the mother's side too no no it wouldn't they're both malik that's yeah, right it, there you go or,
0: yeah, it could be could have been grandpa malik
1: <laughs> grandpa yeah uh, somewhere in montana we're guessing mm-hmm. so um but it was really nice we get into a few issues here with Kim from some business to social to personal. Yeah. And uh, she's very gracious. Uh, we've been trying to do this for a long time and we had it scheduled and she couldn't make it. And um, really nice that we finally got Kim Malik here from, yeah. from uh, Salt and Straw so everybody can enjoy. You don't have to wait in line to listen to this podcast. Nope. Just listen. I know how to do this stuff and some don't. I've gotten some cheap-ass hats that are like this crappy <laughs> foam thing. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but you would never want to wear it. And they're really light. That's no. the one nice thing No, and about then, them.
0: There, then there's the mistake people make is they get that really thick T-shirt material, the beefy tee, mm-hmm. and it's just not comfortable.
1: No. It's not comfortable But I've had all them where they're too thin. We have one, and the place shall be renamed. Why do I keep saying this? Shall it will we remain anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that someone brought You're in the us same
2: bucket as me. They were
1: kind of now the Kim Jong Grilling shirt was fantastic. Oh, it's great. I still wear that. In right, fact, I think that I need, feels that's great. one I
0: need to have replaced. Right, because,
1: that feels yeah. great. But we got another shirt from someone else. I don't like it. It's just too, too flimsy, and it makes you know mm. makes me oh, feel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So
2: I know you know what people tell us so often is that this is their favorite shirt to work out in, which oh. I think is hilarious because.
1: It out in your songs. Right. right yeah. That's <laughs> that's a little ironic. It is. I'm
2: going
3: to tuck this in. But
1: that's right. the same thing as you know, this you part. were yeah. you were here for the tail end of our Gary the Foodie update and you know, it's ironic that he would talk about his working out too cuz that's yeah. how he he's he's oh, in I know. good he shape. Oh, great. And the amount of eating that he does is just crazy. So,
2: Yeah, I don't work out as much, but
1: you can't. No, I can't. How do you keep? Uh, so <laughs> that's ask. the first thing is <laughs> how do you manage your life? What's the real secret? <laughs> so you have, you got how many, how many shops now? It, all we over just the turned place.
2: to double digits, so we have ten shops. Ten. I just read an article
1: from ten sometime in 2017, and there were six, or yeah. something like that.
2: We opened a bunch of stores this year. It yeah. was hard.
1: <laughs> so you have that you have kids, and they're not the easy ages right now where they're hands off.
2: No, we have three children. We have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old. Well, he's almost nine. Wow.
1: So wow. Yeah.
2: We, uh,
1: and they're all adopted,
2: we, correct? Yeah, about three years ago, the older two came, and then the, the little guy came about a year later. Oh, so
1: they're so. not brothers and They're not all brothers? they bro- all our brothers and they're sisters. They're all brothers and yeah. sisters.
2: But it was sort of an instant family. Just add water.
1: Right. <laughs> if it was only that easy. <laughs> well, and you know, so it's a Facebook existence, but everybody looks so happy all the Aww. time, you know, and uh, our
2: kids, we hit the absolute jackpot. So it was a funny story because I got into this relationship with uh, my partner, Mike, and being in our early 40s, we thought, well, we better, if we ever want to have kids, we should start, start that process. And it Wasn't really happening, and neither of us were interested in doing the whole fancy thing that you do at the hospital. And so one day he came, that's one way of putting is it. The whole fancy thing? thing
0: I don't think my wife would have described it. Now, next right.
1: time I see a woman yeah. who's pregnant, I'm gonna walk up and go, Ooh, fancy. I do got to say, we I
2: mean, the fancy thing, like where they do special things to you to make you be pregnant, right? right. Yeah. That's okay. what yeah. fancy means, sure, yeah, Okay, okay. Yeah. so um. So I remember he came home from work one day and he had this video he wanted to show me of these kids that were up for adoption in Portland. And I said, oh, my gosh, do you want to adopt kids? And he said, yeah, I really do. And I went into this shelf in the top of my closet and I got down these stack of books that I had moved in and sort of hidden when I moved in with him. We never talked about this, but I have always had a dream of adopting, too. And so we realized we both shared this this dream of adopting. And um, so we started down, you know, going down this process. I mean, we hadn't, we both assumed we didn't want to disappoint the other person who we assumed, you know, would want to get pregnant and go through that whole process, but come to find out we didn't. And then one day we were talking, we were in the middle of this, they put you through all this training and we were having lunch. And he said, I have one more confession to make. I don't want a baby. And I was like, I don't want a baby either. <laughs> so we adopted older kids and um, we totally hit the jackpot. They're incredible.
1: Was it a long process? Was yeah. it a fancy process?
2: It wasn't It wasn't very fancy. So I, my thinking had always been that I would want to adopt internationally. And Mike had kind of grown up in and out of the foster care system in the United States. And so mm. he had an idea that he would want to adopt in the United States. And so... Um, I said, OK, let's give that a try and see what that's all about. And um, apparently, if you want older children in the United States, it happens almost instantly because we hadn't even finished like the certification process when we were, <laughs> we were paired up with these kids. So it was really fast. I mean, they were in a different state. And so it took almost nine months to go through all the political kind of administrative stuff you have to go through. But um, we were paired up really, really quickly.
1: And so how long has it been now?
2: Almost three years.
1: And so what is it like the first weekend?
2: (laughs) (laughs) These people show up in your house. Yeah, I mean, it it was... (sighs) I'll say this. So our kids are... They have hearts of gold. They're really super fun. Mike and I always look at each other and say, like, these are three people we would choose to hang out with because they're really... Fun, they're smart, they're adventurous. So, um, in the very beginning, it's a little rough because, especially these guys, they'd grown up in a situation where they weren't sure if adults were going to be in charge or not. And so, when they enter a new relationship, it was like, Are you going to be in charge or me? Me, you. I'll right. do it if I have no, to. I'm, but
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm sure your nine year old is always ready to take charge. Yeah, if, and he will.
2: He will because he, he did, yeah. you know, early in life and he survived, and it's a great skill to have. But There was a little bit of a tension um, that we had to work out to prove like, nope, we're here, we're large and in charge, we got this. And once he figured out that that was the case, he's like, cool, I'll go be a kid. kid. Yeah. And so, I don't know, the first weekend, we went nuts at the store buying um, an insane number of toys, (laughs) thinking it would be super memorable. And like six months later, they had no memory of that. But um, but it was it was a it was a really really fun process to get to know them and.
1: And did you and Mike have everything kind of worked out? Did you have strategy meetings beforehand, or did you just kind of go with the flow? No, when I mean, it happened,
2: we both. He took a little time off, and I was more or less off for almost three months. So we were there with them together. I will say it was a lot easier when he was around. I don't know that deep male voice does something to children where they listen. <laughs> but um, uh,
1: you are you know, saying they they don't listen to you?
2: Uh, it's a. I'll, I'll say this: there's it's a real thing. I've read all these articles about like he and I both work and we divide and conquer, and he's a great dad. But it's like the females tend to take on this certain role and it's more, it just is. And for a while in the early days in this whole adoption process, I was really stressed about that. And I kept telling him, you know, I'm doing this and this and this. And finally he said, okay, well, what do you want from me? You know, like, how do I, how do I fix this? Cause I actually can't be there to take him to school. I can't do a lot of these things that you're saying. And, and I said, I just want you to know, <laughs> I want you to acknowledge it and like, know that this is, freaking hard and and he's like oh god it I can do that you know and it went a long way toward creating this kind of I think we have it really well worked out now but
1: it's hard did you stop for ice cream after going to the toy store
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's like the cobbler's children ever my older son he said not too long ago he was came home from school and he was like Mom, the kids at school are talking about these new flavors at salt and straw and do you think we could try them? Because you know? we never have ice cream at home. Yeah. You don't even have a stash at home? <laughs> I forget to grab it on my way home. I'm in such a mad dash to get where right. I'm supposed to be. I yeah. don't bring ice cream, and then they're like, Oh, could we get some ice cream? Uh, there.
1: <laughs> I got a secret for you. You can go to salt and straw and if you buy pints, you don't have to wait in line.
2: <laughs> well, my favorite thing is even better now. You can order it on Postmates, which I do all so the there, time. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> awesome. (laughs) i'll be home we're finishing dinner and they're like do you have any ice cream like we will have ice cream in 15 minutes
1: (laughs) so there's a question do you um because we live in such a collaborative town uh, do you go other places for ice cream too
2: yeah, I do. I, I certainly do. Um, I actually don't go anywhere very often right now, though, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> You're not out very much? I
2: don't go to very many places at all. It's kind of, it's like we're home, we're getting through, especially during the school year, making sure everybody's where they need to be. The kids have a zillion activities. So, um,
1: Did you grow up with a lot of activities? Because I didn't. I, I totally mean, We had Little did. League and a little bit of this, but did you?
2: I, t- I did not as much as, you know, and I'm a firm believer in like don't overschedule mm-hmm. and it sort of like takes on a life of its own and they're in piano. Well, really and,
1: also. That's,
2: yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit crazy.
1: I don't know. How, so do you have a, um, how do you juggle it? Do you have like, a, you, it doesn't seem to me, we've been in touch directly. <laughs> I know you have a publicist, but you don't have an assistant scheduling things like this.
2: No, I've, if I were smart, I would probably do that. I mean, we still our company is still pretty small in terms of the number of people who work behind the scenes, and I do a lot of my own, most everything myself. Um, um I don't know how I juggle it all. I mean, I, I, uh, we we have a nanny who helps a lot during the day, um, but you know, we adopted them, and I don't want to be like, "Hi, welcome to the family." Here's your nanny. Have a good life. So I I tried to take him to school most mornings and be there, you know, by four o'clock in the afternoon to help him with homework and have dinner. And so um, I just make that my priority. I mean, I was reading recently that some of the most sort of satisfied working moms are those who own their own business. Because although you're working a ton, you can kind of have that control. So I'll wake up at five in the morning and work for a couple hours before they get up get them to school, work during the day, then work again at night after they go to bed. So as far as they know, like I'm there when they're not in school for the most part. And I have the ability to do that, so it's nice.
1: I, uh, I feel very fortunate in, the, in that I was single parent and I got to do that too. You could schedule and be, you had much more control. You yeah. never had to ask anybody else, can I go get off so I can go to the, this thing at the school? Exactly. And I think that's really important. So you have that opportunity. I, have a, a, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, so in order for you to, have, to be away, you obviously have a staff that you can trust and the staff is growing larger and larger and it's more important, it's always been important, but it's even going to become more important that you have people you can trust, that work hard, do all the right things, you got an ice cream shop and they can't be surly. They can't be... They have to... There's a lot to do that that can be done not well, that has to be done well. We've had a few people on this show, and I've had private conversations with restaurant owners and chefs about millennials and their work uh, ethic and their work habits. And I know I might stir a little controversy here, but these are things I've heard. Um, how... And I would imagine a lot of your employees are of that age, yeah, in that age group. How is that going? How is that for you? Have you found it ch- challenging? Do you have a way, a good way around it um, to tackle it before it might become a problem?
2: I mean, so we, as you said at the start of the show, we've gone through a large amount of growth this year. And um, as we're looking forward to, you know, our plans for the future, Um it was funny because when we opened in San Francisco, Casey Milligan, who's been with Salt and Straw since the very beginning, and she was our first store manager, and now she runs all of our shops. They all report into her, and she was saying that um, she was down there in San Francisco after we had opened, and you know the store was full of people. It was more successful than we could have imagined. We were so grateful, and the ice cream was being well-received, and she said, you know, um, something's wrong something behind the scenes that doesn't feel right. And I'll tell you that caught my attention. <laughs> um, and we talked about it and talked about it and kind of got a good understanding of why on the operations side, something fell off. And we just kind of left it for a second because we didn't know what to do with it. A couple days later, I was in a meeting with some people who advised me and we were looking at the plans for the future and He said, this man, Alan, said to me, "Um, okay, so I see you have this plan here, so where is your detailed plan for how you're going to grow managers to get to this number? And I said, well, we're doing this, and we hired, you know, these people, and we're working on this. And he said, okay, so you don't have a plan. (laughs) And I said, well, you know, no. I mean, we do, and we've always done it very intentionally, but organically. But no, I don't have something written out for how I'm going to do that. And he said... Well, right now, at this point that you're in, you can't actually do this if you don't have that plan in place. And so we stopped everything we were doing probably for the past three months. uh, We've been working really aggressively on putting that in place. And and to get back to your original question, I mean, I think what we realized, what Casey was feeling was off is... (laughs) You know, we have a pretty incredible training program that we've developed over the years. And we went to Union Square Hospitality and heard directly from Danny Meyer about how to do that. And so we kind of always thought training equaled experience, and it doesn't. And, um, you know, what we were finding, what Casey was experiencing was that um, you know, someone can't walk into a store and go through a training and then run it. They they have to they have to have your DNA and breathe and be part of your culture for a certain amount of time before that's possible. And so we kind of scrapped all plans to stop and wait until we can get that in place and grow people organically. And it's super exciting for our team because now they see like a really clear path forward as we grow to grow and and have this great career, which is central to the reason we wanted to grow to begin with. So it's all kind of catching up with us in a good way, but um, it was an awesome point to kind of stop and and figure that out um, before we messed up.
1: So And how does that relate to millennials? Well, so you- I
2: think, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of these folks that we are plopping in to shops and giving them this great training, you know, being able to kind of grow them organically within the company. And, you know, maybe, maybe millennials have, um, you know, a certain set of values, but I'll tell you one thing I've noticed, like they believe in themselves <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and given an opportunity to um, be given a path forward. Um, I, what we're noticing is that they're very interested in following that path forward and and um, where I've seen troubles with millennials along these lines and we've just been dealing with this actually in the past week is um, someone who wants to quickly get there so like no I don't want to go through this manager and training program I don't want to go through this long process you know I have a degree I have this experience so I deserve this position and it's like, Yeah, you probably do deserve that position and we need you to do that position. So we're all on the same page here. But what we've learned is that unless you go through, you know, this long process, you're not going to be successful. So if you have it in your head that you're going to be successful immediately because of who you are, we have found that you're not. And so it's not going to behoove either of us. I've been using that word behoove. That's a good word <laughs> uh, yeah. to pro- to give you that job. Are we, we going to see want. it up
1: on the, on the ice cream? And, <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Behove- I don't know where it came behoove- from. Behoove- behoove- something. Behoove. It should be behoove- I'm something. I'm sure
2: I learned it in Montana growing up. Right? Boo. So I guess that's how I would relate it to millennials. Like it's it's it it is frustrating. I think sometimes that they have to go. And, the, and what I keep saying is the only thing that's going to give us this program is time. There's nothing else. Like we can't shortcut it. We can't it's just gonna be a matter of time for us and our employees to, to go through it. And
1: that also means that you have to regulate how quickly you're opening yeah. up shops. Absolutely. You don't have it. Otherwise you're gonna be doing exactly what we say doesn't work.
2: Exactly. And we have no interest in doing that. I mean we have two limiting factors. You know, we can go out and get great real estate, we have access to Some money. We know how to make ice cream, but we there's no magic spigot where you can turn on people. Like that's just developing people over the long run. And then number two is whenever we open in a new city, we open it. We do a brand new menu from scratch, and so that takes, you know, months and months and months and months and months, and and a huge investment to to um, to build that menu. So if we were just shipping ice cream from Portland, it would be a lot easier. But um, those two things really keep us. Um, you know, s- just slow us down much more than than others. Well,
1: but that's also contributes to your success and your growth. That you're doing that it's local. I mean, yeah, we had Tyler in here, and yes. he was a wonderful guest. Oh, just love Tyler. I love him. He's just and he's always so gracious, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about just how the it's the local aspect mm-hmm. that has really and relationships with farmers, but also the people and and the. What goes on in line too is a is a kind of a local experience as well, right? Yeah, that's right.
2: And with- it was fun to just like be serving ice cream in San Francisco and seeing the same thing happen. So it's you know people we've had people get job offers or marriage proposals, and they're always treating each other at the end, and so it's it's a that community aspect is really exciting to us.
1: Are San Franciscans any different than Portlanders? <laughs> Have you seen anything yet to make you feel that?
2: I'll tell you one thing. When I was scooping ice cream the weekend we opened, probably I would guess about 60%, maybe even 70, had been to Portland, to in Portland. So oh, they okay. love Portland. Mm. Think a lot of the city and, and and um, have a great admiration.
1: And so, so many people would be saying, no, stop!" then stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Let them stay down there. This would be a great time, Chris, for us to talk about
0: our good friends at Standard TV and Appliance. And Gen Air. And Gen Air, both founded in
1: 1947. Exactly. What a coincidence. And they've, Paired together to support this podcast. We're very happy about that. And if, we have good things to say.
0: Yeah. If you've dreamed of having a, a appliance that is connected to to your Wi Fi, for example, that you can control from, you know, maybe the office, Gen Air's got it. And standard TV and appliance has the Gen Air. Right.
1: So you, you're connected in every other way. Why not set your. Oven up, so it'll start
0: when you're on your way home. Yep, or you got that casserole sitting in there, so it turns on and it's ready right when you walk in the door. Exactly, and this is this is the wave of the future. So get in now, mm-hmm. um, and I'd love to have that. So I think it's great that we have standard TV and appliance, which is locally owned and Oregon based.
1: It's awesome. I agree. That's what we're looking for on this podcast. And um, also, they're so kind as to, if you've shopped for a Gen Air appliance, mm-hmm. use the word fork. And don't just say fork. Right. Don't don't walk up to the salesperson while you're purchasing
0: the Gen Air and wink and
1: say fork. Right. You I, need to just say, I heard this on right at the fork. And hopefully they'll know what you were talking about. But again, we suggest you say that anyway when you walk in the door. Right.
0: And the reason why is because they'll, uh, they'll include a five-year warranty on your Gen Air appliance. Oh, thanks for yeah. supplying that information. Yeah, no, <laughs> You could just mention, hey, by the way, I listened to Right at the Fork. But right, but five-year warranty is pretty there's good. There's a benefit to it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: They've got uh, five locations to
1: serve you, so pretty much wherever you are, they are too. You're right, there's one right there on uh, Sandy mm-hmm. that's that's great with a great showroom. Yep. And also, standardtvandappliance.com, if you go to our website, rightatthefork.com, you can click through and it'll take you right to the Gen Air portion of Standard TV and Appliance website. So your experience at Starbucks, um, you obviously weren't opening, you were, but what? you didn't do all the things you're doing now. No. I mean, now you got everything that's on your plate.
2: That's right. Or
1: in your bowl, <laughs> or in your cone, <laughs> however you want to put it. Um, and so um, what were some of the most, what have been some of the most challenging things that you thought, okay, I can, you know, I'll do what I do well. And I'll pick these things up. Where, where have you found your stumbling blocks?
2: Um. Oh, everything. <laughs> Just Sincerely, everything. I mean, I I was at Starbucks in the early days. There were 30 stores when I started. It was a tiny company. How
1: many are there now?
2: I have no idea. Like? Bazillion. I don't like, know. <laughs> probably Google five
1: it. figures, maybe? I, uh,
2: yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. A real lot. So we were tiny. No one had heard of it. My parents felt bad for me because I didn't get a very good job out of college. And I, um, I did. I worked on opening new stores. And y- you, I remember when we opened our second store. Um,
0: Sorry, I'm just going to hop in here real quick. I just did a it. quick Googling here. You, you want the Starbucks? You were off by a few thousand. I'm off by a few. I know. Well, I,
1: when I said five figures, I meant high. <laughs> five oh, okay, three. yeah. Oh.
0: 25,000 in 2016 worldwide. Opened. Oh, oh that no, are, that total. Are, that are running. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. on. That's yeah. five that figures. Thir- 13,000 13, just in the U.S.
2: So there were 30 stores when I started working there. Yeah. and um,
0: Yeah, you were right. Yeah, you were in that realm. Yeah. Yeah
2: so it's grown never lot. right
1: so I want to
0: take credit uh, yeah
2: how on. does that feel coming up saying that he was right <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I just I like to, I'd rather hear women say that men saying that is doesn't have the same doesn't do anything for yeah, you no, was, I'll say it less I,
2: yeah, yeah, I said that to but, Mike the other day I, yeah I guess you're right and I said don't think that's easy for me to say <laughs> and he started laughing um Yeah. So I remember when we opened our first, our second store on Northwest 23rd, I called Wendy Colley, who's now the president of New Seasons here in Portland. And she had been in operations at Starbucks forever. And I just said, holy moly.
1: Is that what you said?
2: How do you, how did you get all these stores to do the same thing on the same day at the same time? This is so incredibly hard just having two, you know? And so she came and helped me and like. Got got a few things in place that we needed. It's it's I think the operations and managing the people and managing the stores is incredibly challenging and then if, darn financials. Like I used to get a PNL and I could read it and figure out how you're doing and um, man, making sure you have all your financial <laughs> information in the right order so that you know what the hex. I always say like for the first several years of my business I felt like I was driving through a snowstorm and I didn't know where the path forward was because it was so hard for me to get my hands on the right financial information and um uh HR, I didn't even know what HR was until a couple of years ago. (laughs) So, I mean, it's been nothing but a a series of ongoing lessons and, um, you know, learning the hard way. Do
1: you feel like you're at a point now, now that you've opened a few shops Mm -hmm. in Portland, now you've gone to big cities, right? Yeah. You've tackled. You didn't go down to Eugene, right? You went to L.A. and San Francisco and now you're looking at Seattle and Mm -hmm. possibly New York. No, no, no. Was I not supposed to say that?
2: We're serving ice cream in New York, but we're not opening
1: it. Yeah, but someday maybe. (laughs) Um, Do you feel like you're at a place where you've got enough figured out that you can move forward or?
2: Yeah, I mean, we have a great foundation in place. We have a great team. And now we have um, a few folks that are investing in us who have done this before. So... They can also help tell us, you know, like get this people plan in place, and you know, make sure that you're do this HR audit that keeps you safe. And so they, they they've been through things the hard way, and they're helping us a lot, which is cool.
1: Is that a, is that kind of a mandate for an investment to happen, or are they investing and then just helping? Because one of the things I was impressed with was, and you said this in an in an interview I read, was that um, how much wonderful free consultation you got. Maybe not in those
2: words,
1: (laughs) but that's the way I read it. That that people were really lending you a lot of uh, advice.
2: Well, I mean, listen, even though we're 10 stores, we're still really small. And in terms of working with, you know, investment like this, they typically wouldn't invest in a company this small, you know, and so we don't, we're not as sophisticated as most of the people they work with. Um, we have a tiny team and we don't have a ton of kind of like systems and reporting and all the things that you would typically have as a bigger company. So we, um, yeah, I mean, I met Danny Meyer and his team maybe four years ago and on the way out the door, they said, well, call us if you ever need anything. And I thought, well, I'm going to call you. And so we would call them all the, we We would call them over. When we were trying to set up a manufacturing and supply chain you know because tyler would just make ice cream and then we we know we needed to grow that a little bit and we didn't know how and so they would have us into their office and show us what they're doing and help us set up job descriptions and all these things that we didn't know how to do and And
1: you weren't as well known then, so 3 oh, or four years ago they were being really
2: just generous really nice with their and generous. They didn't
1: yeah, there wasn't as much opportunity for them at the time.
2: Oh heck no. No, 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 no. We yeah. were just we were a really small company trying to figure this out and I think um, I don't know, maybe they we just liked each other and they liked kind of working together and, but they, and did would, Portland
1: have anything to do with that? The fact that you were from Portland, do you think I'm that sure,
2: was, I think being from Portland has made a big difference on a lot of friends. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we, while we were there with them, they, they really, they, were sparked and interested in what we were doing and where we were from and what we were about. And they're always looking to learn things from other people. And it's just been a fun, ongoing relationship. But, oh, my gosh, over the past four years, we would call them two or three times a year for help on big things. Like, we were trying to negotiate a contract with the Blazers. And, you know, here they are, and they have... Outlets in all kinds of different sports stadiums, and so when we were sitting there looking at each other across the table trying to figure this out, we thought, "Well, let's call them up." And they got their head of their division on the phone and helped us figure out how to have this conversation and what we should be focusing on. So they've been—they And really they know great. what
1: they're doing. I've been to the Shake Shack at <laughs> City Field, so and and they
2: know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, they really, yeah, really do. Yeah, they
2: really do. So we're we feel really lucky. And I guess for me, yeah, don't offer to help if you don't mean it, because I'll you'll do it. Pick you up on it.
1: Um, so relatively speaking, I find it interesting that you say you just still refer to yourself as really small because there are a lot of people who start out in Portland, right? On very, with very small things, pop-ups, carts. Mm-hmm. You didn't even have a cart, right? You didn't, yours wasn't a f- food cart. It was a push cart. Push cart. <laughs> yes. With an umbrella <laughs> with the, on it.
2: Yes, you're right.
1: So you started out there. And when you say you're still really small, there are a lot of people that look at salt and straw and think, wow, they're big, right? So is your mindset on a Starbucks level that you're still thinking of yourself as really small and that, no, maybe it's it's ice cream, it's not coffee, but then someone, you know, (laughs) 20 years from now, you come back and go, ice cream. Um, so w- where's your mind on that?
2: Well, when I say small, I mean like we have 16 people in our office, that's we have it? 16 people. Yeah. So it's, it is small. I mean, from a, like behind the scenes, there's a very tiny team doing all this. So work. when
1: you put out your job offerings that I've seen a few times, that's a big opportunity <laughs> to get it, to
2: get in yeah.
1: as one of the first two dozen.
2: <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. It's a small, so we don't have a huge team of people. We're still really Small, trying to get a lot done, and um, so that's what I mean. You do
1: that much with that many people. That doesn't include the scoopers. No, that's just in the office. Just in our. And office, how many? Yeah. How many employees total?
2: I think um, altogether we're around four hundred.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's a few.
2: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Got to keep the keep everybody
0: staffed. Weekend shifts.
2: Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, and we try to overstaff our stores so that. When you do wait in line, which we're so grateful for, and um, when you get to the front, like our scooper doesn't feel rushed. They can spend the time with you, slow down, sample through the menu, tell all the great stories we have to tell. We, you know, we try to make sure people stay fresh and they're not you know, killing themselves because it's hard work. You know, you're scooping for that line for that long. Um, we, want, we want it to you know, stay that kind of special experience and um, take really good care of our people.
1: Do you have any, is there like any limit on how long someone can sit there and try ice cream before (laughs) you need to get them moving? I'm from, I'm from the East coast and I would get at some point like, okay, move, move it on.
2: I think if you try all the flavors, you might be done, but no, we wouldn't.
1: But so are your people skilled to say, all right, either. You know, shit or get off the pot here.
2: (laughs) They're so good. I mean, you know, we go through, I think we have four days of training before you start. So we have all kinds of um, great ways to connect with people and, yeah, kind of move on if we need to. But we really, really emphasize not rushing people and making sure people can take the time they need to and that we're staffed appropriately so that other people don't feel like, ah, I wish they had more people. We literally put as many people as we can behind the counter and...
0: I think that's pretty important because the, there's nothing worse than waiting in a long line and getting up there and realizing there's there's quite literally one person <gasps> behind there, I or, or maybe or maybe two, and and which is never the case. at salt and straw. You get in there and, and it's exactly as you described. There's mm-hmm. plenty of people there. There's just a lot of people wanting the ice cream, and and you know, and, and I always feel bad for the one guy stuck behind the counter when there's a long line. It's Just uh, like oh poor
1: guy. Oh, it's tough, but I'll tell yeah. you, there's nothing more maddening for me. Then, and I s- get this at the grocery store all the time, waiting and lo- waiting, mm-hmm. and they're having a conversation. Oh right, right, sure. Like mm. a, just a a personal nothing conversation. Nothing, yeah. no information is being imparted that's going to help either of their lives. It's like, so what are you doing this weekend? And they don't even know each other. I am just livid, <laughs> just like, and it, and I can tolerate it for about thirty seconds. Right. But when I've got to wait longer for that, and it, it's it does not happen on the East Coast. It no. does not. They don't even ask you, did you find everything you wanted? <laughs> that does not happen. So there's no <laughs> conduit for a conversation here. It happens all the time. Yeah. So is that an issue at all, or is this just me?
2: Well, no, I mean, we definitely, so we offer, you know, I mean, I went to New York and took this Casey and I went to this training at Danny Meyer hospitality course, and we came back and we really inspired to create this program for our team. And so we, yeah, there's tons of training for them around how to kind of have that good conversation, but also move along and, and, you know, be respectful of everybody else who's waiting. But, um, I think here we weigh more a little more on the side, and plus, you're going for ice cream. You're not getting your groceries. Like it's usually people are out for an event for the night, and
1: and they're with somebody. Yeah, that's a difference too. When I'm standing there by myself, it's very different than if I can have a conversation.
2: Yeah, with, it's kind of part of the whole thing. You're just yeah. Right, out and for
1: I'm the sorry, night,
2: enjoying sorry to it. inject
0: my uh, <laughs> well, no, i but I see your point. But again, when you get into a salt and straw, it's it's not like there's one one person back behind there that's trying to handle the entire life. You've got multiple people back there that are doing the process and it's not rushed. They're not rushed. You can tell they enjoy their enjoy their, their job. Well, I hope so. So like I said, it's it's when you get into those places where there is the one guy and you're feeling sorry for him and he's probably regretting signing up for that shift. <laughs> it's like, oh man. We used but. to
2: do that though. So in the very, very early days, Ian, who was one of our first ever people who started working for Sonstra, I remember I used to tell him it would be, you know, November our first November open on Alberta and I would say okay Ian nobody's coming tonight just so you know I'm sure no customers are coming because I always start from the place of worst case scenario (laughs) and so Ian he would agree to close the store by himself and never failed by like eight o'clock at night he'd call me Kim people are here And he's scooping and doing the cash register and making waffle cones. And so I would come tearing over there, hopefully after only having one glass of wine. (laughs) And, uh, you know, working from the crack of dawn until we closed, which was great fun. But um, so we used to do that. And finally, finally, Casey Milligan came along and hired a team of people and, you know, got things on the right track. But I always was worried that we every day was the last day.
1: Sure. So have you done focus groups to find out the first thing people think about when they think of salt and <laughs> straw? Because I'm going to guess it's unusual flavors, mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Line has got to be right up there. Lines. That's the yeah. first thing everybody talks about. And uh, I think there's a friendliness factor. I'm just curious. But I would ask you, would you like to have people, would you like to remove lines from the discussion? Or, or, or does, it add to the, does it add to the mystique? And the Uh, success.
2: I mean, people say that they like I was talking to this woman the other day and she said, you know, it was Friday night and she had a pretty hard week and she was at home, put her her jammies on and she was about to go to bed. And she felt kind of like, gosh, I wish I could go out into the world and not just be at home. I want to participate. And she thought she said, so I'm going to go get ice cream. I put on my clothes and I went and got ice cream. It took about 30 minutes. I got to talk to people in line, try some ice cream, and now I'm going home. But I did something, you know? And so I think within a certain amount of time, people, it's like it's part of going out and doing something and meeting people in your um, community or, or you know, from meeting people from who knows where. And, and so a little bit of it is having that experience. It's just funny, though, because we don't always have lines, you know? Like, um certain parts of the day are always quiet and then in the winter it can be quiet and so like this idea that we always have long lines is um isn't always true
1: what about a webcam so people can (laughs) see
2: shake shack has that
1: they do (laughs) yeah and then a few years ago there was a company that wanted to start an app on restaurant lines Mm -hmm. that we heather Heather and i worked with
2: yeah i talked to them
1: yeah and that it kind of had a fatal flaw in that there was no restaurant that wanted to publicize, (laughs) that, but either they didn't want to publicize. They didn't have a line or that they did or a wait Uh, for them. It was wait,
2: not so much lines. Like on, uh, for instance, on division street, we hear people say a lot that they'll go and put their name in for dinner at Pock Pock and then they'll go have ice cream. And by the time they're done going through salt and straw, their name will be up at Pock Pock. So it's, you know, have dessert first and it all works out. I
1: do that at Chessa. I go get churros in the middle of the meal because uh-huh. at one point they closed earlier. Right. <laughs> now they're they're open. Um well uh, so how do you feel about uh, that waiting on lines? Do you do you go anywhere and wait online? Do you get your comeuppance?
2: Oh, this is a bad question. I do I wait in the salt and straw line?
1: Okay, that's one thing. That's a business decision.
2: I do. I wait there. Um I am not a big line waiter. <laughs> that's the pull fact,
1: quote right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in fact, if uh I'll miss sometimes I'll miss out on a restaurant for quite a while cuz I'm like, well, we are never getting in there. We're going to have to wait forever. But in my defense, I have three little kids was, with me most of the time.
1: I know, but so here's the deal. This is this is I think Portland should adopt a little more East Coast attitude. You you've got some <laughs> juice you can use. Hey, if you know, if you call Greg and Gabby, and listen, we, if we can get in tonight, you can sort of imply that anytime you want to, you know, little
2: trade there, exactly. Little trade.
1: <laughs> but it doesn't happen here. It's, it's no,
2: it's all about it's, boards. You know,
1: it's so, we get in
2: the longest traffic lane to wait here in Portland because we want to be polite. So.
1: Right? Yeah um yeah it happens all the time so i want to get a little into um social all right stuff for you and what this year has been because mm. i've seen you've been pretty verbal mm-hmm. and rightly so from my standpoint <laughs> well thank um, you but it's been it's been a hard year you know you uh, are in a mixed race family so right. you've been feeling that i'm sure absolutely um how do you how do you feel it's going to go from here? How do uh, I mean a lot of things are out in the open now that weren't that were kind of
2: they sure are. Put, put
1: away and now it's it's there.
2: Yeah. I mean uh last 2 weeks ago when the big protest what happened in Portland um the alt right protest um you know, that Sunday I woke up and my partner Mike was at work. And so I was alone with my kids and I remember laying in bed thinking about what we were going to do. And, um, for the first time ever, I was really afraid to leave the house with them because I thought all these people are in town from all over the country and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, is someone going to approach us? Am I putting them in danger by leaving the house? And,
1: um, this is something I don't see. I wouldn't know. I'm yeah. a white guy who grew up in a pretty white area, but I can't, I can't imagine that
2: well, I 10 mean,
1: years ago there were people like you who were worried about going out of the house right. in this part of the country, maybe, you know, somewhere else. But.
2: That's right. That's right. I mean, I, and being a woman, of course I've walked down the street and I'm you know a little more careful than I might not be at other times, but not am I afraid to leave the house I've never had that feeling before and um, so my partner Mike is a doctor he's one of a very few number of African-American doctors at OHSU and I thought you know instead of staying home let's go do something powerful and we rode our bikes across the Tillicum Bridge for the first time and the kids like it was a huge accomplishment for them and then we Went up, took the tram up to the hospital and I have pictures of them, you know, Mike dressed them up in scrubs and they got to go in the operating room and it was like a very powerful experience for them. And I was telling Mike later that I was, you know, really afraid to leave the house that morning or at least I thought about it a lot. And he said to me, that's the first time you've felt that way. He said, I feel that way every single day. It crosses my mind when I leave the house.
1: Is this recent or forever?
2: Forever. And, you know, as I talked to more people on my staff and um, in different parts of the city about this, they said, yeah, you know, what happened on the MAX train was extreme, but I get talked to like that on a regular basis when I ride the MAX train. That's not new, what happened there wasn't new and... I think, you know, when we really start to take a close look at ourselves and what's happening in Portland and what our history is here, it's not good. (laughs) And um, and I think we all have a duty to start to just learn about that. Like, let's learn about how we ended up where we are, why, why we have this undercurrent here in the city of Portland and um,
1: in a liberal city. Yeah. Quote, unquote, liberal think, city. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, I didn't know about the history of Portland. So I'm right there in the same basket with everybody else. And I think that um, once we start to learn about it, there'll be great power in what we can do with that. And there will also be great power at understanding where other people are coming from. Because like you said, you wouldn't, that wouldn't have crossed your mind. Like we, we just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so Like, we're having at Salt and Straw a few um, sessions coming up with um, some folks from the NAACP to understand, you know, the racial history of Oregon and Portland, um, racial bias, gentrification. We just want to provide education for our team, ways to stop oppressive behavior if you're experiencing it. Um, And we'll be inviting people from the community to attend and participate if they want to, but... um, I just want to start having those conversations so people are armed with information and they can do with it what they will.
1: I, I think it's interesting. and um, uh, I've got to be a little careful how I word this, but I think there's something positive that will come out of this and that mm. there are a lot of discussions and there's a lot of thinking that is going on that did not go on during the Obama administration um, that's going on now because it's out there and it's, uh, it's causing a lot of us to... Uh, go a little further court and i just did a uh, show on cultural Mm -hmm. appropriation and Mm -hmm. uh, a year ago i wouldn't have i didn't even know what that was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so uh it's it's causing us to think and right now we're in this strange period but we're not always going to be in this period so hopefully we'll advance but advance is tough what does that look like i don't know
2: Yeah, I guess the thing that scares me in the meantime is um, just this freedom that I'm seeing people take about the way they're approaching and talking to others. And, you know, I don't want I'm afraid for my kids. I'm afraid for them. And I I don't want something to be said, um, you know, to them that they're going to and they're going to come across this. And I know they are, but I don't want that for them. You know, I don't want them to i don't want to live in fear of my two african-american sons you know driving somewhere or getting stopped by the police And, and and i just feel like you know between here and there um during this time you know that you're talking about where things are we're more open to talk about things there is a positive side to that but there's a really super scary part to that too where things are being said and done that are really harmful and um I'm really worried about that.
1: And it's thought of as, as okay.
2: It's thought of as okay. And yeah. There
1: never was before. It had to be, there, there, there had to be political correct. It was called political correct- correctness just to filter.
3: Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Unsurpassed Quality. La Ruta PDX Get tickets now for the first ever La Ruta PDX Festival Top chefs from Spain and around the world Join forces with chefs from Portland dedicated to Spanish cuisine It's a gastronomic festival July 14th through the 16th That's four days of dinners, events, workshops, demos and cultural experiences Find out more and buy tickets at larutapdx.com Standard TV and Appliance Standard TV and Appliance offers the largest selection, fast delivery, professional installation, and live kitchens where you can try before you buy. Oregon-based and family-owned, setting the standard since 1947. Standard TV and Appliance is your place for quality Gen Air appliances and more. And by Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and grasses Rick Giancarelli. Join right at the forecoast Chris Angelis with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at PortlandFoodAdventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. Well,
1: are there things that you think you can, you're in an interesting place uh, from a business standpoint. Because mm-hmm. you run a happy business. yeah Right. So, and a socially conscious, very socially conscious business. That's one of the things that has impressed me from the start. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you can do with Salt and Straw that go beyond Salt and Straw? Yeah. That go into the community to help make this, to help make things better? I mean. Or that someday will help, help you not fear? Yeah.
2: Your... I mean, the two things that come to mind for me, one is, um, You know, some of the work that we're doing on um, just hiring, for instance. So we got a grant from the city of Portland, or not a grant, but a tax credit from the city of Portland to start um, a community-based hiring program. And so we've already started work with um, the state parole board. Um, United Way, Gateway to College, and a few others where, um, you know, I mentioned earlier we have this really incredible training program. And so we think that we're a good place for a first job or for someone trying to reenter the workforce. And um, our company is so energized by this idea that we can, you know, if someone's coming out of pr- prison in Portland or in Oregon, I mean, we're one of the top bottom 10 in the country for employment rates and guess what helps someone be successful coming out of prison oh having a job and um (laughs) we also have some of the worst rates um and statistics in terms of um, locking up you know our um, african-american and um and a variety of races here in Oregon. So, I mean, here we are, we're not doing anyone a service on either side. And um, when they're coming out, if we're not able to get them employment and get them on the right foot, um, I think it's just yet another strike against them. And so, uh, also, Oregon, where we have some of the worst rates in terms of um, c- people being able to get their first job. So when you're a teenager um, right now, it's really hard here to get your first job. I think it's gone down. Why? Why, do, why
1: is that? Do you think? I
2: don't know why it is. I mean, we're a
1: fairly low wage, right? Yeah. City, I think there are a lot of people who are working for now I not think a lot the of-
2: competition is really high. Um, I was just at this event for Gateway to College, where they're trying to get kids who, you know, are having troubles getting through high school. They're trying to get them into college, and one of the ways is to get, you know, a job that will help support that. And so we're working with them on on hiring and then they were just saying that the statistics are not moving in the right direction does
1: minimum wage, is that going to affect that negatively, that it's even going to be harder? People
2: think so because the competition just goes up, you know, and why am I going to pay a 17-year-old $15 to, you know, have their very first job when I can select from now a much broader population. So so that, so it's really important to be doing this work to make sure that we're able to get people in and get them their first jobs. Oh, which, by the way, also have great benefits, and a career forward if they would like, either with our company or another company. Remember, I just told you we had to put this career forward <laughs> plan in place, like we're required to do it um, in order to succeed. So it all, you know, it benefits the company in the end and it's truly sustainable, I think, for both parties. But, you know, when I think about what can and Straw do, um, one thing is to get, you know, roll up our sleeves and get involved in hiring and making sure that we're part of the solution. Um, to these problems that are happening. Um, and on the flip side, we also, you know, we have these signs in our windows that a lot of people have, and they say, all are welcome here. And it, it kind of goes through um, through th- uh, this list of things. And um, I um, we put those up right after the election. A lot of people did. They're done by a local artist in Portland. We also have them in our California shops. And I can't tell you, like, we got... Several people who were really upset about those signs going up. And so I made well, it... A,
1: what did they say?
2: Well, I made it a point to get back to each of those people personally. Some of them came into our stores and started yelling at our employees and some wrote letters. Um, anytime I could get their contact information, I got in touch with them. And, you know, this one conversation sticks out in my mind. This woman said that she was a Trump supporter and those signs went up right after the election, so she couldn't help but assume that they were in response to the election. And, you know, in my mind, it was like, yeah, she's right. It was in response to the election. And I shared with her these stories that I had from my family and my staff who were all feeling very afraid. I mean, my kid was eight at the time, and he asked me if we had to move the day after the election because the other kids at school told him that, no, Trump didn't want any black people here, only white people. And so, you know, I shared that story with her and stories of um, people who work for me, their families being deported in the dark of night, you know, and these are the reasons that we hung these signs up because we wanted them to know, like, we see you and we support you and and we want to be part of this community of support. And so I think both, she was shocked to hear those stories. She was shocked to hear it. And I think both of us could kind of hear each other's side and understand where we were coming from, which was good. We didn't agree in the end. She's still writing me letters. I just got one after the shooting in Virginia. Um, she wrote me another letter saying, does this make you change your mind? You know, like she's very, um, she, she really sees this one side of it. And, and, and several people do. But what I'm trying to do is is keep that conversation going because like you said, it's a happy place. We don't want to be a place where People come to get ice cream and, you know, they feel like they're in conflict. That's not the, the goal. I, I think we have much more opportunity to come and be a place where people can hear each other and be together. We don't have very many places like that right now. And, um, and if there is some points of dialogue along these lines that we can continue to have, then thank you. Like, I, I, I welcome that because there aren't many chances to do that right now. Um, so I don't think those signs are exactly right in accomplishing that goal, um, but they were a starting place, and I think we're we have plans to continue to work on that. But I, I guess to answer your question, it's about that dialogue. I think that um, we have an opportunity to encourage that.
3: Um,
1: and so when you go in and buy a cone at Salt and Straw, it, there's a sign that says some goes some of the dollars go to charity. How much? Sometimes. How much percentage? What? percentage is that. And, and I know when Tyler was in here, he emphasized how important being part of the community was. Mm-hmm. And, and that was not only your social contract that mm-hmm. you had as a business, but I can see it's also, a it's part of a marketing plan too, I would imagine. Right. Cause that's, while it's altruistic, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of your DNA yeah. as well. Well, I mean, which, which, oh, and I, I'm not yeah. trying to sound negative by oh, saying no, it's part of a marketing plan. It's that's what makes you successful. Mm-hmm. Anything that's successful is part of a marketing plan.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, right now we're doing um, a menu that uses reclaimed food. So we we're working with urban gleaners in Portland to um, get fruits, vegetables, breads, spent grains, whey from cheese, all these different ingredients that would have gone to waste, and we we're using them to make ice cream. And the idea was. You know, we found out that about 40% of our food is going to waste in the United States, yet people amongst us are going hungry. So we we have enough food in our city to feed everyone if we were able to figure out a distribution plan to get it to the right people. And we don't think by doing a menu for four weeks, using those ingredients is going to solve the problem. But what we do have access to are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming in our stores, and if we can help shine a light on this issue and let people know that this is happening and allow them to get involved in supporting these organizations, maybe that can start to turn the tide um, of what's happening here. So we also donate some percent of proceeds. Um, In each campaign, it's usually around half of our profits. um, And we always want to make sure it's a meaningful amount.
1: That's That's a large amount. Half? Is half that, of our
2: profits. yeah Is
1: that standard in for business? That's not. I
2: have standard. no idea what's standard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I no, just normally
1: people
0: play the the safe bet and say a portion
1: of our right, profit. which could be two percent or one percent. Right, so it's a portion. Huge. But, yeah So, but
0: well, I think two percent or one
2: percent of of a restaurant's.
0: <laughs> right yeah. No, it's not like a. it's yeah. like we're not talking like a, no. a, a, a ton of money each each purchase but just the fact that you're taking half of your profits whatever that amount ends up to be is is pretty significant
1: right yeah. and you can always play numbers with two percent i once had this problem with the sales manager when there's a <laughs> there's a big difference between you know two percent of the gross and two percent of this of this part of it mm-hmm. you know the of profits um so it depends on how you're wording that but 50% is a lot and um I think that probably comes I think it's important for people to know that because uh you know regardless of where we are in time that's a uh, cone is is that's a Some fairly expensive four, cone yeah yeah right and it's worth it because it's it's different people are waiting in line for it <laughs> so there's no problem with that but it's it's I think it's important for people to know that that, that it's those things are happening. Yeah, no, I mean, it's
2: our favorite thing to do. Um, Tyler and I, this will be, this was our fifth year doing a collaboration with the local um, elementary school near each of our shops where we developed a menu um, that the students came up with to benefit the local PTA. And so, I mean, there's several programs um, throughout the year that we do every single year and, and donate the proceeds back. And, and the money is one thing, and it's good, and we're donating um, that. But you know, it's we always try to make sure it's a bigger that that bigger than just like we get approached all the time, like will you give a percent of proceeds to this or that? And we'll oftentimes do it, but we prefer to do something that's more like we're meeting with the students for a month or two, our entire staff, and teaching them about jobs in the hospitality industry, the creative process. Um, and how to bring something to market then afterwards and have it up in the shop and um, it's just a much more like we want to be involved and bring our customers along as part of it so and be you know active in the community
1: you must get asked so much for free stuff <laughs> and you do that Always, uh, uh, yeah. you know you're out there doing free things all giving out free ice cream all the time I can't believe how much salt and star ice cream I've had <laughs> and haven't paid for
2: <laughs> wait and, a minute no no but you're, <laughs> because
1: you're out at events all the time just hand, handing it out and I think I think that's fantastic
2: oh. well thank you I mean I, yeah we're...
1: but um, I forgot where I was going with that would you mark this court yep. because I just lost my train of thought no I had somewhere I wanted to go with it by the way as long as we're stopped now is there anything you want to talk about Specifically, that Um, we need to get in here. I hadn't
2: thought of it in advance. You
1: hadn't thought of it. I would think that you'd have. You know,
2: sir, I'm lucky to be here right now. (laughs) Oh, we (laughs) know planning ahead. Ah.
1: (laughs) Well, I oh I see. Um, We consider very lucky. Oh no, I
2: feel very lucky to be here. No, I'm just. I literally live my life that way in in all aspects, like planning ahead. No, I'm just showing up and doing my best. (laughs) <laughs> That's so pretty
1: much all I do. I actually I know what I w- would like to ask, and I don't know how the segue is going to work, Court. But Come, we'll figure but, it out. Yeah, let's go. Let's go back a little to your um, childhood, because I have my childhood ice cream memories for sure. My the girl that I loved for years, <laughs> Gigi. Aww. If she's not listening, she's in Indian, Indiana, <laughs> but and she knows it. There's and by the way, everybody knew it. Um, she worked at Baskin Robbins, and I used to hang out there. And I think she made like a $1.87 an hour. <laughs> That's the, we'll go back to the time. And I'm pretty sure that was the number.
2: Uh-huh. I, uh huh. I remember making
1: that, too. Right, $1.87. So I used to hang out there. I mean, literally, uh, they couldn't get rid of me. I was in those, and those seats were like the school seats where <laughs> you had the, the little thing in front of you. You sat down, and um, what were your, did they have Baskin Robbins in Billings, Montana? Mm-hmm. So they did. What else did they have?
2: And we only went to Baskin Rock. I think we went to the Tasty Freeze as oh, well. Oh, yeah.
1: We had Carvel too. Did you uh-huh. ever go to a Carvel? I have been
2: to a Carvel. Okay. Yeah. I. We used to do something in Billings, Montana, which is we would cruise. So we'd go up and down oh, yeah. Grand Avenue and stop and get ice cream. That was All, probably all great my... towns
0: have the cruising.
2: <laughs> that was probably my, like, yeah. And what ice you, cream. When what what were are you, you driving?
1: Do? Were you driving a big.
2: Yeah, Gas it was guzzler. a bit, yeah, it was. I remember it was yellow, and it was a Chrysler of some sort. I mean, it was huge. It was a big boat. I think my dad thought I would be safe in that, so I I drove that big huge. Right, and you
1: probably had no seatbelts on too, with your metal
2: dashboard. No, too. I and I was. I remember driving it home one day, and the check engine light came on, and there was smoke coming out. And I thought, well, I think I can make it home. And I got home the rest of the way. I totally fried the engine and destroyed the car. And my dad was sure I had done it by purpose. He's like, you did not want to drive this car anymore.
1: <laughs> well, so I, that, now there's evidence you're way younger than I was because in those days I didn't drive a car with a check engine. Light.
3: <laughs> I don't know. It would just
1: happen. It was just like <laughs> gone. So It works. It doesn't work. <laughs> and I, I was stranded all over. Did you travel a lot as a kid? Were you? No. Free- I
2: um. So we would go on camping trips and, and drive. In fact, Mike uh, and I are taking our kids on our first road trip at the end of this week.
1: And who is your... Uh, that's... Yeah. We'll get... Well, yeah. okay. Let's go there. Well, no.
2: So uh, I, would, I would, as a kid, drive. We would drive and drive and drive for days and days on road trips for our vacations. And I think the first actual traveling that I did was um, I was an exchange student late in high school to Denmark. Oh, Nice. And that's where I first, like, I grew up in a very conservative family, and that's where I first- How big was your family?
1: um, I just
2: have a little brother. So, two, a mom and dad and a little brother, and um, very conservative family, and- uh,
1: How how did they feel about you moving to Portland, Oregon? Or, I'm sorry, at the time, Portland, Oregon.
2: Yeah. I mean, they don't, they're, they don't get me. I don't think they understand anything that's going on. What are they,
1: they don't know that they don't, uh, they don't get this, like- do they still feel the way they felt that you didn't get a really good job when you were working no, for Starbucks? No, I mean, they're
2: starting to see, like, this might have a future. So they they I think they get that a little bit more. But I think just the entire, you know, like, my family, yeah, they don't agree with my politics. It's a pretty, uh, it's difficult. It's a challenging situation. And I think to bring they, it back to that, yeah. you
1: go there for holidays? Is that...
2: Um, we just saw each other. So Grandma, you know, we have um the on our menu, um, the almond brittle, which is Grandma Malik's almond brittle. Well, Grandma Malik passed away recently. Oh, it's Tyler sorry. and I's grandmother, yeah. And um so I got to see my whole family during that time. And my extended family were all very close. Um, my parents are though, they're yeah, I think they they also see my activity on social media and um they don't they don't know, they do not agree, they don't get it. So it's a little it's a little tense.
1: So time we even in time and seeing what you've accomplished and and that you have a joyful life, that's not seeping in and they you're giving me <laughs> that and they're thinking sure it is. Okay okay, maybe we should think of things differently because that's you know, here we are talking about changing things in a whole city of culture and This is your family.
2: Yeah. Isn't that the harder part though? I think
1: the people
2: close to you, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, gosh, I don't even know the easier part,
1: Right there. It should be the easier part. I would think. I
2: know. And I see people who have families with different political opinions and they're able to talk about it and work through it, but we're not as much like that. So, um, I don't know. It gives me good insight into the other side, I guess, in some ways, but it's, so how,
1: and how'd you get out of Billings? Go to college in Washington? Mm-hmm.
2: I went to college in Washington and then I, I stayed out here. So I'm kind of, I prefer the cities, I guess, over the.
1: And if you had your druthers, because you spent time in Seattle, what do you, and you don't have to be politically correct ah. here, but, but you're looking at Seattle, right? For Portland all
2: sort. day long. I mean, I was just up in Seattle and... Um, And it is so beautiful with all the, you know, the water and then the mountains surrounding the bay. And, but, um, I hope to God we don't lose this, but Portland is just like the livability here is so lovely. And I, Mm -hmm. I also, I mean, the reason I moved to Portland to start and I wanted to start an ice cream shop in Portland is the sense of community we have here. I mean, I can remember in the mid nineties when I was living here, walking down the street and literally meeting people who are still my lifelong friends. I met Lori Wolfrey who started Oregon Chai and I, well, I met her walking down the street or, you know, we would be sitting on the side of a, um, you know, cafe smoking clove cigarettes with Thomas Lauderdale and planning our, you know, future, um, all the great things we were going to do in the world and everyone, everyone's walking by and, you know, you just, it's so connected. And, um, so I, Portland's very unique that way. And,
1: yeah, I think it's special. I tried to wend my way through Seattle and it's a it's a very different attitude.
2: Yeah, but I mean I we, lived in Seattle and a few other places and I always wanted to move back to Portland. That was my always And my we dream. hope we're
1: not gonna lose it as we get more people who aren't you know, I we're all most of us are transplants, right? That's They're right. Most of the people here, but they but but Portland and Oregon seeps in as opposed to the other i think so
2: i mean i feel like we're um i mean there's some hard things we're facing like the livability issues and you know even doing business in san francisco you can see how hard they're fighting for their life to try to maintain their neighborhoods and the sense of community and who they are versus um you know this big wave that's coming at them when and when it gets it's so
1: expensive it's almost it's it is it's Impossible to figure out how to live. Mm-hmm. They've been dealing with that for a long time, and yeah. all those people are, have come to Portland, which has kind of created the problem. All right, we need to, you, we are so blessed to have Aww, had you here. I'm blessed. You have an appointment. We have to end <laughs> this, so we could, I feel like, Court, we could go on. Oh, sure, yeah. Forever. Aww. So last question, just to end Uh-oh. it. What is your absolute favorite flavor? If you had to go to a desert island with one salt and straw flavor, salt and straw, Flavor. Or not be? salt and straw? <laughs> yeah, how would that there be? <laughs>
2: uh, okay. yeah,
1: give a shout out to Chad Drazen. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love that's Chad. 50 list, I love 50 Chad. Lists. Yes.
2: Um, I my absolute favorite ice cream is always strawberry ice cream. It always has been.
1: That was the first one I had at your at your cart, strawberry, your push cart, honey. strawberry Thank balsamic. And,
2: and so that's still my favorite. Like I just love Oregon strawberries, and I love. The honey I I love that flavor that'd be my desert island flavor I think, and I think um uh cookie dough ice cream would be my Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream would be my non salt and straw flavor mm. and
1: then do you ever have any that you think that you're you know you think this is not I don't like this but everybody else seems to <laughs> go with it
2: <laughs> no nothing makes it to the menu that I'm not totally oh, crazy you, ha-
1: you but... have to like it
2: I mean yeah uh-huh
1: Okay. What, have, if Tyler, yeah. what if Tyler likes something a lot and you don't? How does that work? We've
2: never had that situation where he's like, I love this and I hate this. In fact, it was the only, the, a couple times it's been the opposite where I really love something and he's been like lukewarm about it. But then he'll usually like massage it to a place that he's 100% there before we go forward. <laughs> so, but we are, it's pretty collaborative from that perspective.
1: Yeah, that's a, so it's you, is it you too? Mm-hmm. are the arbiters of this mm-hmm. and what happens when you get bigger you can't continue and when you're we're in different cities
2: you know what we are it will still be so i mean tyler we're having him do less and less and less so he can really just focus on making ice cream so i mean that's the benefit to adding more people
1: is he still is, is he got a girlfriend <laughs> no comment. No, I was going to say, he's got to be one of the most, if he doesn't, he's got to be one of the most eligible bachelors like My grandfather. Portland. My
2: grandfather was asking me that question. Tyler was sitting right next to us. I'm like, you can ask Tyler. He's sitting right there. Well, we I, I know he
1: had a girlfriend and I just saw her recently and they're not we together. We love her. Yeah, so yes. she's delightful, but I didn't know. So I just thought he's got to have, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's I smart. Can. He's got a great, who's got a better job? <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim. Thank Appreciate you. it. I love you. I love you. You've been so kind to uh, to me since you didn't even know me.
3: That's the Portland spirit. Well, that's
2: the Portland spirit. And you to me. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Right Sorry. at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Arielle Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at the